12 open for business. You know, Mitch. They love their Cougars. Mitch Harper. What is up, Cougar Nation? Welcome in to a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper. BYU football fall camp is back. We're breaking down the defense and the special teams today in this edition of the show. You can follow me on social media at Mitch underscore Harper. You can also follow KSL Sports, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads, TikTok, everywhere you need to at KSL Sports and the KSL Sports app. You can get that this podcast there and all my stories on the KSL Sports app. So I highly recommend you download that for this BYU football season. Again, we're unpacking the BYU football defense, fall camp preview, and special teams. And, you know, this BYU defense is a huge storyline going into the season. Well, because Jay Hill, he takes over the defense in replace of Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb. And Jay Hill comes with a lot of accolades into BYU. You're talking about the winningest coach in Weber State football history. It wasn't just some, you know, moderate success at Weber State. What he did at Weber was that he turned the Wildcats into one of the best FCS programs in the country. It wasn't North Dakota State or James Madison or Sam Houston when they were in the FCS ranks, but they were in the next grouping, Weber State. They were very successful under Jay Hill, and now he comes to BYU as the D.C., and I think it was time for him. I think he had done everything that he could possibly achieve at Weber State. I mean, he could have stayed there forever. He could have been a legend, and he could have been just the ultimate great coach in Weber State history, but I think there was that itch to get back to big-time college football, where you've got the massive crowds, the intensity. Now, it's not to knock Weber State. There's just not as much eyeballs and interest at the FCS level. BYU, Big 12, Power 5, yeah, this is big time. And he inherits a BYU defense that the stock is so low. Last year's defense for BYU was one of the worst I've seen in the last 30 years. It was probably going back to 1993 the worst defense since then. There was those years in 2014, they weren't very good. You know, there's got to be a little bit more credit given to Elisa Tuiaki and Ed Lamb, and I, I say both of them because they they spearheaded the defense, and Kalani was part of it too. It wasn't solely Elisa Tuiaki's doing, but understand that he was a guy that had never been a defensive coordinator. BYU was mired in independence, no sign of Power 5 money coming their way, so they had to project coaches, and they hired a guy in Tuiaki who, you know, had never had defensive coordinator experience, so he leaned on Kalani a lot, but they had good defenses, top 50 in scoring defense. It just kind of went sideways the last two years, and last year was a complete bottoming out. I mean, you look at what BYU did last season, you point to any game, there were moments where it just didn't look good. BYU played Utah Tech. They gave up 26. They played Stanford, who couldn't score against anyone. They gave up 26. And those were games BYU won, I know. But they were very fortunate they had a high-powered offense with a banged-up quarterback that could still put up numbers. They didn't have that. This That last year could have been a real mess. 
and in large part because of the defense. The defense was passive. They were always on their heels, and there was no playmaking ability. So you bring in now Jay Hill. You had to revamp the staff, and that was tough because Kalani was very close to Elisa Tuiaki. And I think Tuiaki read the room. I mean, I, I always go back to after that Arkansas game, me and Matt Biamonte, my Cougar Sports Saturday co-host, we were in the elevator with Elisa Tuiaki after the Arkansas game when BYU gave up, what was it, 644 yards to, to the Razorbacks? And you could just tell the body language. It was, he knew. It was, it was done. And that's why he offered to resign and he stayed on until the bowl game. And, and it's, it's best for all parties involved. And, and BYU now moves forward with, with Jay Hill. But, but had Kalani not made that move, he would have been on the hot seat. It would have been a scorching hot seat had he not made a change. And it was the perfect breakaway because year one of the Big 12, expectations are low. You're the preseason 11th team in the conference. No one around the conference is expecting much from BYU. Now, I think this defense, personally, I think they have the chance to be better than the offense this season. And we'll unpack all of that, and I'll explain why. But a lot of it rests on this coaching staff. And Jay Hill, he has always been around great defenses. You think about Jay Hill, Weber State, he had some of the best defenses in the FCS ranks. Defenses that always got off the field. On third down, you go back prior to Weber State. He was at Utah, one of the top assistants on Kyle Whittingham's staff from a recruiting standpoint, but he saw firsthand how Utah handles defense. Say what you will about Utah, and look, I understand Cougar fans don't want Utah in the Big 12, and rightfully so. You should have every right to not want to have the Utes in the Big 12. Personally, I I would like to see BYU operate in their own space as well. But you have to maybe respect what Utah has done defensively from a brand. And that style of football defensively can work in the Big 12 for BYU. And I think they want to bring that blueprint from what Utah has done in their transition from the Mountain West to the Pac-12 over to BYU. And you look at the defensive staff that Jay Hill assembled. It's quite the staff. Jay Hill is going to be the associate head coach, defensive coordinator, and safety Kelly Papinga, defensive ends. Justin Anna, linebacker. General Guilford, cornerback. And Sione Buha, defensive tackle. What's notable with all these coaches, they've all been around great defenses. They've all produced NFL draft picks. Or they've played in the NFL themselves. Kelly Papinga, he can go up to Tyler Batty. He can go up to Zay Banya. I, I recruited Sione Takitaki. I recruited Fred Warner, the best the best linebacker in the NFL. I was key in that guy. Now, obviously, Fred Warner and Takitaki did their thing, and they were just inherently talented football players, but they had to be developed still. And these are proven commodities. Even General Guilford. You got Chris Wilcox in the NFL who's still with the Pittsburgh Steelers. These coaches know how to get players, develop them, and get them to the league. And what a great selling point. And I think they're relentless recruiters. That is going, that's been one of the big 180s already from what I've seen this defensive staff. And it's not a knock on the previous group. They were under fire. I mean, they, they were, but there is, 
a lot of connections on the recruiting trail. These are re- relentless recruiters. These are guys that want to be in coaching for their entire careers at, at the highest levels. Because recruiting in the Power Five ranks, you got to go win some battles. You got to go pluck a kid that's got 20 offers from you know, a bunch of Power 5 schools. you got to win some of those battles once in a while. You can't just always get kids that have an offer sheet of Southern Utah, Weber State, San Jose State, and Oregon State. That can't be the offer sheet every time. It's got to be some deep list of Power 5 offers, and you got to go win those battles. And I think this coaching staff is doing a pretty good job of that. They did a nice job in the transfer portal as well. They've pretty much overhauled this defense. I mean, there's a lot of notable names coming back. There's, you know, at the top end, but you look at this depth chart, it is a new revamped group. I mean, this coaching staff, they were aggressive. And this past spring, it was a real audition to earn your roster spot or you're getting recruited over. And some people might not like that. I mean, they want to say it's still college football, but this is a big business. And Cougar Nation would not be thrilled if this new coaching staff that came with a hefty price tag, reportedly, with Jay Hill getting north of a million dollars, and they produce similar results of what they, as what they've done in past years, I feel pretty confident that's not going to be the case. Even against some of these really good Big 12 offenses, BYU's defense is going to make significant upgrades this year. I could see BYU's defense being a top 40 defense nationally this year, and maybe in the upper tier of the Big 12 Conference. There are some storylines going into fall camp, though, that I'm very interested in with this group to get to that top 40 threshold, whatever you want to look at. Who can generate a pass rush? Last year, BYU was 129th nationally in team sack. You think about some of the numbers last year defensively. 93rd in total defense, 97th in rush defense, 81st in passing yards allowed, 96th in scoring defense, 113th in first down defense. They're just not not good. And the sacks amplified, and that's not the end-all, be-all in football. I get it. But to be second to last, the penultimate team on sacks, come on. BYU had more talent than, than what they showed last year. So who will be those guys that can generate a pass rush? It's not going to be every snap. Bring in the heat from Jay Hill's defense. But I want to see some personnel in the trenches that their get-off speed, you know, that that first step, that explosion off the, off the edge. I want to see that from some of these players. Tyler Batty, Zay Banya, Blake Mangelson. Let's see it. Ice Moa, Bo- Bodie Schoonover. It's time. BYU needs a pass, pass rush desperately if they want to compete in the Big 12. The backups in the secondary – Particularly at cornerback, I like the starters with Eddie Heckard and Jacob Robinson. And Heckard's the type of guy that you could put at safety if need be. They get an ideal setting. If you want to get the best 11 on the field, maybe you have a situation where you have Jacob Robinson. He starts at corner. Heckard goes to safety and teams up with Micah Harper. And then you have another cornerback emerge, maybe a Camden Garrett from Weber as well. We'll see. But you got to find a way to get the best 11 on the field. There could be some competition at safety. The strong safety position is going to be Micah Harper. I feel pretty confident in that. Free safety, though, it, I, Malik Moore, I think, is the favorite. But you could see Talon Alfrey, maybe the starter. I'm very interested in Chika Ebenuha. 
you know, I posted the picture of him on Twitter that he shared on his Instagram, and the dude's a freaky athlete. He's a preferred walk-on. He was He's one of those guys that could be next in line for a scholarship, but he's just kind of a freak athlete. And Jay Hill coaches the safeties. He's got a high bar for what he wants from that safety position, and I think Cheek is someone that he could – he likes. And I think that he's someone that will not be – I would not be surprised – if we see if, if you know someone needs a breather, he comes in and makes a play, and people are going, who's that guy? Chica's a name to keep an eye out for. I think another storyline that I'm very interested to watch for in fall camp, the attitude shift. BYU defensively the past two years especially, very passive, kind of drop eight, keep everything in front of you, not too aggressive. That's got to change. And I think that they've got the personnel, a little bit more depth. We'll still see how that depth plays out. You know, you feel good about some of these new names, but ultimately until they lace it up and suit up, and we don't know what they're going to be yet. But just the overall shift in attitude and approach to the defensive side of the ball is, is an interesting storyline to me with this staff. And I think Jay Hill understands what Cougar Nation wants. He's not going to create a defense for Cougar Nation. He's going to create what's best for his team and and him and, and this program on a week-in, week-out basis. If there are times where they need to go to drop eight, it's it's not an uncommon thing in college football. It's it's a very common deal. I mean, there's a lot of 3-3-5 three, three, in this Big 12 conference, and if drop eight works, then go to it. But that element of having that aggressive where you're going to just go get that quarterback where you're going to bring the heat three or four guys I mean how many times that happened last year there just there was very few and the few times it did happen it just it stood out like a sore thumb where you go oh my gosh third and nine they brought the heat and it worked why don't they do that more getting off the field on third downs is going to be critical for this defense and we're not going to see Obviously, that in fall camp, but that is something that is just so critical. Get off the field. You can do that and find a way to establish some playmakers that can force some turnovers. This team's going to be okay. I like the personnel, and here are some players that are ready to take a step forward, in my humble opinion, coming into fall camp as BYU gets ready to kick things off on Tuesday. Day one of practice will take place Tuesday afternoon around 3 o'clock, we'll be down there, kslsports.com. We'll have coverage on the website, post-practice podcast observations. It's going to be awesome. I mean, folks, you, you know how I roll. I mean, it's we're locking in. I'm going to hit midseason form on day one. But players that are ready to take a step forward for BYU on the defensive side. Defensive end Tyler Batty. I'm expecting big things from him. I asked him at Big 12 Media Day if he's ready to be a double-digit sack guy. You know, it's an awkward question. I get it. But that's his goal. He wants to get there. And he feels like this defense can provide that opportunity for him. But he also has to put in a lot of work, and he has. He looks really good this season. I think Tyler is due for a massive year. He's shown that he can be a consistent, you know, four-sack-a-year guy. Can he bump it up to 10, 11, 12? If he does that, he's going to be drafted next year. He's going to be making a lot of money. 
because physique-wise, the build, there's so much to like about Tyler Batty. That's why he was a coveted recruit when he was coming out of Payson High all those years ago back in 2017. It's his time now, and I think he's ready to step up. Also on the defensive end position, Ice Moa. I've said it this offseason, I think Ice is going to be one of the most improved players in the BYU football program this season. Expecting big things from Ice. He might not be a starter, but they are going to rotate the personnel on the defensive line. you got to keep guys fresh. You can't just play every snap like O-line. So Ice is going to get opportunities to play. And I think he's going to be a completely different guy than what he was last year. Last year, I think it was, you know, he's a four-star recruit. And I think everyone thought, oh, there's such a pressing need at defensive end. He's just going to walk in and be a guy. It took time. You know, and I think it worked out in the long run that he redshirted. So he's got four years to be part of this BYU program in the Big 12 and make it an impact. And he just seems like a new guy. The bowl prep practices, he really took significant steps forward. I thought he looked good in spring ball, too. He had some of those big hits in the spring game. Ice Moa due for a big year this season. I also think on the defensive line, Nisa Mahe. Nisa is finally healthy. Think about all the, the hurdles that he's overcome. I mean, where he had with the brain. I mean, you, you thought, is he going to live? Is he going to play? I mean, not, only about, not only about football, but is this man going to be able to have a normal functioning life? And he's defied the odds, and he's still playing football. And I think this is finally his breakout year. He's always had incredible strength. He's not like a Kyrus. Kyrus Tonga was just a one of a kind. Like in terms of build, he was like a Holotinata. I said that years ago when Kyrus arrived on campus. That's what he was. Nice though, his strength is remarkable. He is just one of those guys that can push so much weight. And when he's fully healthy and the back's in good place and everything is just in position for him to succeed, I think he's got so much confidence on this defense, too. He was a completely different player in spring. And I think he's going to be someone that can actually generate a pass rush in the interior of the line, uh, besides just simply being a gap stuffer where he's just, you know, assignment sound. And I think that's ultimately going to be his role, stopping the run. But don't be surprised if he's someone that can get in that backfield, too, and generate some pass rush. Another guy that could do that from the interior of the line, he's switching over from, from DN to D-tackle, John Nelson. Really like John Nelson. He has quietly been very productive the past two years, and he doesn't get much run, but I think that he's someone that is a very good football player. Switches over to the inside, and I think he'll do well there. Ben Bywater, 200 tackles the past two years. Highly productive linebacker. He's always just got that swagger. I mean, I remember when he was coming out of Olympus as a rugby player. This guy's just always been a, a freaky athlete. And, you know, he's coming back from the shoulder injury. He's full go. He's ready. I'm expecting a big season from Bywater. He's got to stay healthy, though. Uh, that That's going to be critical for him because if he does, I expect another 100-tackle season from him, potentially. Ammon Hanneman, a linebacker. He's a name that gets completely overlooked with this, you know, new linebacking unit. And... Ammon could be a guy that maybe could find himself being on the back end of the two deep, maybe even third. I just think that his role at linebacker, he kind of found a home. He had a lot of success in spring ball, and he was making plays. He had a couple pass breakups, if memory serves me right. He had an interception. 
He had a sack. Ammon Hanneman looks so much more confident out there on the field. And how much of that is coaching? How much of that is this new scheme? It was an interesting kind of lens because last year at safety, he was lost. And he started the season, and in part because Micah Harper was dealing with an ankle injury early in the year. But Hanneman, he hit the pine. Now he switches to linebacker. He comes back, takes advantage of the COVID year. thought he looked really impressive in spring. And I, I would not be surprised if he's in the two deep. And that's not a bad thing either. Because I think that you're going to expect, I think the fans are going to look at you know, Harrison Taggart, Sally Acera. But Ammon Hanneman and this next guy, Isaiah Glasker, are two guys that I think can be highly productive for BYU at the linebacker position. Isaiah Glasker is going to be very good. Glasker, I came away from spring and said, that's a potential starter. You just kind of worry when you're going into a new element, the Power Five, week in, week out, is he ready for that? He hasn't played a snap at a game. All of his snaps at BYU have been in practice, and he's a former wide receiver, safety at Bingham High School, good athlete. Glasker is unique. He's 6'5". He's kind of like a, I mean, I, I, I caution saying this, but the way he moves is kind of Kyle Van Noy-like. Now, Kyle Van Noy, when he stepped foot on campus, he was an elite linebacker from the get-go. And the fact that he even didn't play right away was mind-numbing as a freshman. Glasker is a playmaker. And we saw moments of that in spring football. And I feel pretty confident he's going to be in that second unit at linebacker. Glasker's good. And I I think that he's going to be a very good player for BYU at that linebacker position. Then my last guy, and there's so many, I I could keep going on all these guys, but cornerback Maury Bamba, when you talk about who could be in that second unit, I really like Bamba. He is my sleeper, deep, deep sleeper, to one day be an NFL draft pick because he's just got the build of an NFL DB. I mean, he is what you would say, what, body beautiful? When it comes to his measurements, the build, he's 6'3", 180. He's got long arms, and he's got speed. He's got a track and field background. He comes from Tyler J.C. I just like that potential there, and I think that you know he saw a lot of snaps early in spring. Some first-team reps, even. Heckard's on one side, and then he's on the other. Again, those snaps mean something. You get a chance to have any sort of first-team rep, that matters. Maury Bamba, keep an eye out for him. He's a junior college transfer that came in last season, and I think he's going to be a factor in that cornerback. You and I really like the prospects of Maury Bamba. Some newcomers that I'm intrigued to see. A.J. Vongpachan, this guy's a pro, and look, I'm high on this guy. I think that... You know, he had 101 tackles last year, and some Utah State fans are saying how I was – I felt like it was a massive addition. People were like, hey, you didn't even watch Utah State at all. It's like, okay, I, I guess I don't watch college football at all. Sorry. Sorry. I I, I guess it's it doesn't speak volumes at the SEC and Big Ten schools. They wanted this guy out of the portal, but what do I know, right? What do I know? Massive get for BYU getting him. Adding Vong Pachan, and I keep saying this – it locked everything into place for BYU. Adding him, you just say, okay, plug and play, he's starting. You're going to have Bywater at the MAC position. 
You're going to have Cooley, I would project, at the rover spot. And then you'll have Vong Pachan at the other outside linebacker position. He's a tackling machine. He's the type of guy that's got the size that he can play defensive end if you need him to. I think it's very intriguing what they're going to be able to do with him. I, I just feel like that's a huge get. And Ben Bywater was just speaking glowingly of Vong Pachan, and so did Kalani at Big 12 Media Days. I, I just think he's just going to be a step right in, and he's a dude from the get-go. Camden Garrett from Weber State. I, I always thought it was notable whenever BYU brought in Weber State players because Jay Hill's not going to invest in spots on guys that he don't doesn't believe have Power 5 talent. And Camden Garrett, senior grad transfer, got experience. If he can come in and be in the two deep, that would be a nice deal for BYU. Siali Acera, four-star linebacker from Tempview. Big-time talent. You know, it'd be nice in a perfect world where BYU doesn't need him this season. If he could redshirt and just learn and, and kind of absorb everything. But the nice thing about Acera is that he's been around the BYU football team. I mean, he was at New Mexico Bowl. He's just been around this team because he's close by. So he's absorbing the playbook. I mean, he was at spring practices, the spring game. He has been around. And so he steps on campus, and there's a familiarity where he's already absorbing what he needs to know to be ready for fall camp, his first practices as a BYU Cougar. Harrison Taggart comes in from Oregon. Great athlete, tons of speed at, at a corner canyon. Former Oregon Duck after a season. He was very open about his transfer and how he had so many different position coaches at Oregon in one season, so much change, and he didn't like the weather. It kind of made him feel depressed. Very open, and I respect that. And BYU gets a heck of an athlete. I'm curious to see where he fits into the depth chart. David Latu. Okay, this is another big sleeper that I am very high on. David Latu in the interior of the defensive line. This could be a hidden gem that is just an absolute hit. Latu was a great pass rusher at Snow College from the interior of the line. I think it translates. You know, it's it's a big jump from Juco to Power 5. This was someone coming out of high school that had some kind of low-key interest from Tennessee. And what I mean by that is you know, maybe he was a, a plan B. You know, if some things fall through the cracks, Tennessee would have swooped in and pursued him. But David Latu, six foot four, two hundred and ninety-five pounds, he's going to play. You know, and it, it's tough too now. It's for guys that join in the summer, it's a little bit harder if you haven't had that post high school experience from the D one side, but a little bit more mature. Great story too. I mean, he's overcoming a lot. His father passed away, and he committed graveside to BYU. Pretty cool moment. I mean, he's someone, again, you don't want to, in my work, you don't want to cheer for people, you know, because you want to just be objective and and respect the process. But I got to admit, I I think David Latu, his story is pretty awesome. But beyond that, I think that he's someone that can be a true factor into BYU's defensive line from day one. I think this is a two-deep guy, and no one's talking about him. Dave is going to be a good one, and I just think that he's someone that, from the interior of the line, 
he can get to the QB. He's a sack artist. I mean, there's not many guys in BYU history that have done that. And a lot of that's because of scheme. And I mean, remember the days of Bronco when it was 3-3-5 or 3-4? That wasn't the calling card for the defensive tackle, the nose guard. You know, Travis Tuiloma was a type of guy that was a heck of a player. But that wasn't what he was asked to do. Latu, I think, is going to be asked to do that sometimes. And I think he could, he could do it if called upon. Another guy that can get to the QB, John Henry Daly. One of the best in the nation when he was coming out of Lone Peak High School in terms of sacks. He had like 24 sacks his senior year. Outstanding. Came back from the mission. It's tough. The odds are against him to make an impact in year one. His brother, Michael, he's been up and down with some injuries. Last year, he dealt with some stuff in fall camp. After day one, he had an interception. Then he gets hurt. Michael Daly also got hurt in spring ball, and he was just never full go. So it's tough for return missionaries. The odds are against him, but if he can make any sort of impact, it would be a nice bonus for BYU. Before we wrap up the show, special teams. That will be a storyline in fall camp. I'm not going to be too worked up about it, but I will say it was not overblown by the media how rough the kicking was in those media observation windows. Now, we didn't get to see all 15 practices in spring ball, just full disclosure, but the windows that we did see into practice, the kicking was a roller coaster. It was from 37 to 47 yards out, and... There was a lot of shanks to the point where you thought, who is going to win this job? And Jake Oldroyd last year, you know, he became the all-time leading scorer in BYU football history. But, you know, Jake was not nails. He was not accurate. Outside of that 2020 season, Jake Oldroyd only had one year above 70% in making field goals. Last year, he was 9-14. of And it was well-documented with all the the issues there for, for Jake. I mean, he was a broken guy. He had to be consoled. I mean, they brought in Justin Smith, and then he shanks PATs. You're like, well, we got no one. Jake, you're back into the fire. Uh, there's more options this year, but who are going to be the guys that emerge? I mean, they had a third option last year. They, they never turned to him. He went off and transferred, and that was not, not much of a loss. But this year they've got Will Farron. Matthias Dunn, Landon Rico, and Jordan Capisi. Matthias Dunn, a walk-on from Wasatch High in Heber City, he's probably the, the favorite, in my opinion. I thought he looked the best in spring ball. And he was not on the roster in spring ball on day one. He joined on day three. So that kicking spot's going to be interesting. Punter's in a great spot. Ryan Rico's an absolute stud. He's an NFL leg. He was at Big 12 Media Day. He was the only specialist there. He's got a real leg. I mean, he can boom it. Rico's awesome on, on that, and BYU's okay at punter. Long snappers, they got good options too. Austin Riggs, Dalton Riggs. They've fully stocked the special teams. Kelly Pupinga's done a nice job at least providing options, and I think that's what they needed because... You cannot just assume, based on what happened in spring, that they're just okay and it's stand with the status quo. Like you gotta you gotta keep having competition. And that's what it's gonna be. Hopefully BYU has someone emerge in fall camp and they just silence the critics and say, I'm the guy. That's what they need, because they need that luxury that 
if they get stalled and they got to turn to a 43-yard field goal, they need to have that ability to go get that three points. Be real tough if they can't turn to the field goal unit at all during this Big 12 season. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast. I hope all of you enjoyed it. Again, make sure to follow me on social media at Mitch underscore Harper. I'll be down at BYU football practices covering everything you need to know about camp. So make sure to give me a follow at Mitch underscore Harper on Twitter, threads. Not a big fan of threads. Just like Twitter. Like I'm, I'm not too high on Twitter either, really. I'd say just go to kslsports.com, but we're going to pump out the content for the feeds. We're going to pump out the content on kslsports.com. We will have you covered. We'll also have radio shows, Cougar Sports Saturday. And again, I've teased it a few times, but stay tuned. There will be some special programming announced here in the near future that you will be very excited about, I think, Cougar Nation, for this BYU football season. So, I'll talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast powered by KSL Sports.